You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But one of the morals to this story is that um, there's there's never really any preparation for the type of things that you will encounter as an actor. It's There's there's always a surprise. There's a, there's a new way of living. And... Uh, it, you know, to think that you'll be doing a show um, two times a night that requires you to be in a, a life-size puppet and you've never taken puppeteering and then all of a sudden it's like I'm m- manning these controls while singing full out and still like marking through a pirouette somehow. And, you know, it's it's just a really strange world that we enter into when we transition from student to professional hey what's going on it's me roscoe founder and host of built for the stage broadway's number one fitness platform if you want to try out a free trial with your own broadway fitness coach go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the description of this episode and you'll find the link right there, builtforthestage.com. Check us out on the gram at builtforthestage, TikTok at builtforthestage, Facebook at (laughs) builtforthestage. Change it up on you. Twitter is BFTS Broadway. So you can follow us there um, at BFTS Broadway on the platform where the tweets live. Okay, exciting guest as always on Built for the Stage podcast that is produced by the Broadway Podcast Network. We have some groundbreaking things going on as far as uh, what our guest is doing in the performance space. We've all been salivating. We've been waiting on edge. We've been just just as anxious as could be to see some live performance. So um, we're super excited to have on the podcast um, Alex Joseph Grayson. Hey, Alex, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) So glad that you're here joining us from a laundry room in Sarasota, Florida. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this is uh, this is my little hiding space that I go uh, because my fiance, she's here with me. She uh, the theater was gracious enough to house us both and our little dog, Jennifer Lewis, um, on this, on this journey and she's work from home. She's running her own coaching business right now. So I, I give her space. I give her free reign while I work on the computer. 
Absolutely. Um, welcome to Sarasota. As we mentioned before we started recording, I actually have been down here in Sarasota for, mm, I guess, since uh, June or July. My wife spent some time here for a year or so, about 10 years ago. And um, that's what led us down here. And I'm just anxiously awaiting the return of of quote unquote theater for me to go back to New York. But I am in Sarasota and I'm so excited because everyone that's listening right now, Alex is in a uh, production, a concert, a staged theatrical performance <laughs> of Camelot uh, where he's playing Lancelot. And I'm obviously super stoked as is everyone that probably gets to see this or just is hearing that live performances um, are going on. Um, but before we dive into that, as always, we like to get the backstory of our uh, guest and how they either made their Broadway debut or just their journey in theater and how it relates to life or fitness as far as you know, valuable lessons go there. So Alex, you made your Broadway debut in A Bronx Tale. Um, you also met your wife and toured in uh, Once on This Island. Tell us a little bit about your story, um, how you started in theater. Let's start there. How did you start in theater? And then um, where did it lead you as far as getting to where you are now? And I realize that's a huge bit of space to talk between. So yeah. if, you take, if you take 10 minutes to lay out the story, <laughs> please. We, wow. want all the, we want all the details. Don't feel like you're talking too much. Talk as much as you'd like. Sure. Well, well, thank you for giving me the space to do that. Uh, <laughs> this is like a continuation of therapy then. Uh, exactly, exactly. Well, I, I, was, uh, I was born in Watertown, New York. Um, I was born in Watertown, New York, because that is uh, the, it's, it's very, very close to an Army Reserve Center, uh, Fort Drum. And both of my parents were um, reservists in the Army. Uh, and that's where they met. And uh, we started up there. And basically, my whole childhood was just moving from one place to another. My parents separated very, very young. So I had that experience of kind of like going back and forth between them and then the call of the military. Uh, and I, I think by the time I was like, I want to say like 11, I had already moved like eight times. So I was just I was on this journey of relocation, and believe it or not, when you're a child, there's there's sort of a like a trauma connected to that because you're you're uprooting and you're reassessing and you're looking at these like different groups of people. And um, I I was I'm my mother's only child, so uh, she was the custodial parent, so I, I had that experience of being an only child and entertaining myself, and I was filmed very, very young, maybe at age four or five, just full out acapella, singing and dancing, all of Thriller. And that's a, the tape is somewhere. I, I don't know where it is, but I, I, I know that it was in circulation through much of my youth. Uh, and my mother reminds me of all this stuff because I have no recollection of this, but just any, any public space, any place where I found that there were other people, it was like, I was just compelled to perform and uh whether that was singing or dancing or whatever that was something that was just living in me i guess um 
And then it it sort of went on to manifest itself without any real structure it, throughout school. And I was definitely that that class clown and um, the the practical joker. And I, I got in trouble for that uh, from time to time. But uh, you know, it's so funny. I actually did not take my first acting class until. Um, my, I want to say it was my third year of college because I was overseas. I left the country after my junior year of high school and actually went to India and I completed my senior year of high school via correspondence online while I was in India. And I, I didn't really have much direction. I was just sort of with my parents going, um, from location to location, country to country. And we went to the Philippines and I started school for aeronautical engineering and I'm not good at math. So that didn't work out. And I ended up back in New York State. And I, I went to trade school and I, I became a, a nursing assistant. And I also went to school as a first responder. But I never ended up working because I didn't want to ride the ambulance and I didn't want to see people dying. So uh, in that time, I, I got a job. I was working as a nursing assistant. And I, I said, you know what? I, I need to be in college. And I, I started. I was pursuing a, a degree in nursing. And while I was in community college in Western New York, Batavia, New York, Genesee Community College, I took an acting class with this wonderful teacher, Marianne Arena. I don't know if she'll listen to this, but that class was magical. And it was like it opened up this door to this thing that I already had inside of me. Uh, and it made it so, so clear that nothing else mattered. N uh, nothing else, uh, even if it was... Uh, worth more money and more stability. Um, it was like this. I I realized that uh, no, I'm actually a, a conduit for for this uh, this performance, this um, becoming these other things, playing in this space, uh, telling a story, uh, communicating through song and movement, and all these other things. So uh, so I went there. I I went headfirst into the theater program. I was in every single show. We were a very, very small program at this community college. I think there were like eight of us total. So I did, I did every show. I worked in the shop. I was in love with any piece of information that had to do with the theater and its history and um, it, any, any type of way you could perform, whether or not that was Commedia dell'arte, any sort of mass performance, Alexander technique, just give me, give me anything, I'll do it as long as I'm performing. Uh, and I finished up there and I transferred to, uh, to SUNY Fredonia, uh, because my girlfriend at the time was going there and why not follow someone that you're in love with, even though that's a bad idea. And I did that. And, um, I, then I had that musical theater experience and, uh, got into a situation where it was like, okay, now we're trying to impress, uh, personalities on the faculty rather than really explore our craft. Okay. Uh, so I played that game and I had a really, really great opportunity that popped up with one of my, my really great friends, uh, Clayton Howe. Um, and he's, he's from Long Island. He allowed me to stay with him the last two summers of college. And, uh, we traveled to New York on the LIRR and we auditioned for things here and there. And shortly after my showcase, which I was super, super lucky to get an agent out of my college showcase. I, I got I got an agent from that. And uh, I booked a cruise ship gig with Disney Cruise Line. And that took me to places that I never imagined I would go. Uh, Toy Story the Musical 
If you didn't know that's a thing, that's a thing. Well, not anymore. They've replaced it with Frozen. But I was in Toy Story the Musical, and uh, that was like my first professional book Wait, musical. Sorry to interrupt you. Were yes. you in this with with Matt Gibson? No, 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 no. This was this was the uh, 2014, 2015 cast. Okay, maybe okay, maybe a little bit later. Matt okay. Gibson actually um was maybe like episode three on our podcast, and we're up to close to a hundred now or more. Um, wow. And wow. he played, yeah, he played Woody on the Disney cruise, uh, toy story musical. Wow. So we have, my, a, we have a, but, uh, my, my Woody was, uh, Hayden stains. I don't know if okay. that name rings a bell. Uh, okay. yes. And Buzz Lightyear was Peyton Krim. So okay. very, very talented, uh, <laughs> very, very talented actors that joined me on that cast. Uh, and then that just between, go ahead. Between I want to interrupt you again. Between <laughs> between your your travels growing up and your like I don't know uh, vast experience in college before finding acting, and then on top of that, talking about college and what it is to like seek your true artistry as opposed to like the. Uh, approval of other humans who are sitting in professor positions. Sure. And now Toy Story, the musical, those three things. I think <laughs> I want to talk to you. Like, I don't know. After the show, I'm going to say, hey, we're going out for some post-show drinks and you're going to talk to me for another three hours. We don't have enough time for all this good gold you're getting. Us. <laughs> it's, it's a weird, it's a weird shift. And I think uh, there's, there, there are many morals to stories, but one of the morals to this story is that um, there's, there's never really any preparation for the type of things that you will encounter as an actor. It's, there's, there's always a surprise. There's a, there's a new way of living. And, uh, and you know, to think that you'll be doing a show um, two times a night that requires you to be in a, a life-size puppet and you've never taken puppeteering. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm manning these controls while singing full out and still like marking through a pirouette somehow. And, you know, it's, it's just a really strange world that we enter into when we transition from student to professional, uh, but we're always students. We're always learning. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, the cruise ship thing kind of opened me up to the, the possibility of living in New York because I didn't have any money before that. Uh, and for anyone who listens to this, who doesn't know, and we'll see what happens after the pandemic and see what's possible because we can't really do cruise ships right now. But I, I think it's a really great option to go and, and make some money and just sort of like, uh, get some time away maybe from, uh, what you consider to be home and see see how you do away from that home base and figure out are you are you somebody that requires the community that you grew up with or are you someone who really longs for adventure and travel uh, and and can you deal with a, a change of environment because I I think of like cruise ship life as like we're we're like we've joined the military but our, our lives are not necessarily at risk. We're taking that time away from family and we're trading that, that um, 
we, we have that maybe that sense of being alone and and being on duty and uh, adhering to uh, the standards of something that is militant, but we're we're never carrying a rifle and we're not we're not going into a war zone. So there's I, there are similarities there. Uh, so yeah, so I did the cruise ship thing for a little bit and um, finally got to New York. Uh, I, it's funny when you're in the process, I feel like, I, I don't know, this is me. I always felt in New York that, gosh, I'm so poor. Everything's so expensive. I do not have what it takes to work in a restaurant to, uh, to make ends meet. I have to, I have to book something. I, I need, I need to be in this audition setting. And I went through the cycle of um, trying, 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 and then getting back on the ship, as if that's an easy thing to do. But I, I was lucky to sort of, I think I'm the cruise ship type. type. If there's a cruise ship type, I was, I was just that. So I did that about three times. And, uh, you know, I, I, got my, I, I got really lucky, and I got my equity card doing a production of The Color Purple at the Art Center of Coastal Carolina. And then it was like, okay, Hilton, now Hilton Head, South Carolina. Hilton Head, South Carolina. Uh, working with uh, Evan Pappas, who was my uh, my director, and uh, Todd LeBron Underwood choreographed the show. The the talented Todd LeBron Underwood. If you ever run into him, yeah, uh, I went I went to Coastal Carolina University in Myrtle Beach. Wow. So when you know we would do. Um, some type of big unified auditions. Obviously, we'd do that for professional theater, but we'd also always drive south to the art center um, of Coastal Carolina to audition for their stuff because they were so close to us. Yeah, it, it's a great place. Really great place. You know what it. is really funny? Sorry to interrupt you. But yeah, go ahead. I <laughs> Free space, right? Free space. <laughs> I, um, I got the last time I saw Camelot live was at the art center in like 2000 and I don't know, eight or something. My girlfriend at the time was in the production there. And that's funny that you're bringing up the art center of coastal Carolina. And that was the last time I saw Camelot. And here we wow. are. You're about to do Camelot <laughs> and I'm about to see you in it. And I can't wait. All right. Sorry. It's sorry. so wild. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it's it's hey it's a it's a weird world and uh it's a it's gonna be a full circle moment i'm sure um <laughs> and and you know what it's gonna be great it's gonna be great I 
I can't wait to dive into uh, to how it's going. But um, all right, so Art yeah. Center, you do Art a color Center, purple. You get your equity card. I get my equity card, and uh, then it's like, okay, now I don't have to wait in line anymore. Now I just I just show up at the time that I want, pick my appointment time, and uh, you know, I I feel like uh, I did the I really did the work of um, trying to read the mind of casting and say, I, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where they can say before I enter the room that he's not right for this. So I started to get really, really specific about everything that I was doing. And I, I would, I wouldn't really take any risks with, with auditions. Uh, I, I would always make sure like, okay, I can nail this part. Um, even if I don't, I'm not necessarily the, the color that they're looking for. I can go in there and sort of catch somebody off guard. And I played that game for a little bit. And I, I was, um, I, I had some really timely appointments. And what I didn't realize along the way is uh, I, I had been in the room with uh, people from Tara Rubin many, many times. And I, it, you don't think about this all the time, or maybe you do. Uh, but I was not thinking, you know, I sure am seeing Mary Sugarman to like, be what you thought they wanted you to be or catch yeah. them off guard with. That's where we were at. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I was, I, was, uh, I was trying not to take too many risks because I, I didn't want to waste my time. I just wanted to be very, very, uh, very specific. I knew I was working against uh, human beings and whatever their, their subconscious perceptions of me were. And that's like, what, what do you do? What am I going to hypnotize people? Uh, so I was like, you know, can I, can, do I see my reflection when I read these breakdowns? It, do I, do I literally see myself looking back at me? And I would do that. And then the only times that I, I felt like it was risk-taking is when they were appointments that popped up and I was like, that's, that's not me, but I'm going to go because you know what? My agent sent me there and I'm, I'm going to go do my job and I'm going to represent my agent and, and let this person know that I'm a great representative and I'm I'm a great person to be on the roster, and they can call me in at any time. And a lot of those appointments were for uh, Tara Rubin, and I I think I made this spiritual connection with Mary Sugarman over there. And this uh, Bronx Tale thing came up, and it came up before I knew what it was. And I immediately thought because I'm not I don't consider myself a dancer. I do not go in for for chorus roles. Uh, that's that's just not my background. Uh, that structured sort of like. You, do you, you have that ballet base? Do you have those tumbling skills and all that stuff? That's, that's just not me. So I, I don't really put myself in that bucket, but I, I got an early appointment in the very early stages of a Bronx tale. And I felt like, Oh, this is, this is too much. This ain't going to happen. And I went through it a few times and then the show opened and I saw it and I was like, man, that's, that's fun. That looks cool. And then, uh, about a year after it had been open, uh, I was like, when, when is this going to close? It's not that it, it, it was a fun show, but you know, these shows, they run their course. And uh, around the time that I thought, man, this show's still open. I had an appointment for it and it was the third time I had gone in and, uh, I, I knew that choreography and I just went in there and I, I sang all the stuff. I saw Mary Sugarman again and, um, things were going well. And then all of a sudden I, I had this callback. And then I was in the room with Jerry Zachs 
and I was doing all my my acting stuff, and uh, I I did my my audition, my singing, and my acting, and I stepped out of the room, and Jerry Zachs came out of the room, and he said, "Hey, you know, um, what doesn't make sense to me is you're um you're a talented guy, but I I don't want to see that acting stuff. I I just want you to come in here and uh, just just say the lines. I don't I don't want to see all this acting stuff." say your lines okay it's like oh okay sure sure I'll, I'll do that and i went in and i <laughs> i'll do that <laughs> i went in and i said the lines and um a few days later i i got this call that i was going to be on broadway as a swing in a bronx tale um and it was amazing uh and really terrifying and there was another thing that i didn't know that you could do as a professional go in and be a swing and play all these, uh, cover all these different roles and not necessarily know when you're going to go on. And I, I had heard of it. It was like this sort of like enigma, this, this <laughs> position that exists uh, where you're, you're not in the rhythm of doing the show and you're sort of like not with everybody all the time. But then I was there and I, I was doing it and uh, I made my debut. I did the show three times. Um, I, I believe I was there for two months, uh, two months and then we closed, but it was great. It was a great experience. It was really cool to be over at the long acre. Um, at the end we, we were like in our minds, in my dressing room, we were like competing with, uh, what's his name across the street. Um, the, the, who's the boss, the boss. Who's the boss, Tony Danza? Uh, the, the recording, the recording artist. Boss that we all knew. Um, Santa Claus coming to town. Oh, Santa Claus coming to town. And you know who I'm talking about. But he he was on Broadway, <laughs> uh, and he was he was making like an exorbitant amount of money uh, because people loved him. Uh, but he had his one man concert experience across the street, and uh, and we closed down. But I just I just felt like this. It was surreal. It was surreal to have sort of like gone through all of this. And I never entered the the industry thinking, ah, I need to be on Broadway. I didn't I didn't know that that existed. I just knew that theater was this thing. Um, so up to that point, I just say sort of like if we're, you want to talk spiritually, I feel like there's very much been a, sort of like a calling uh, and a pull towards this place. And and right now, you know, I just I feel like it it's just um, it's it's great to be in a position where I, I feel like I know all these these casting directors in New York, I, I remember a time in which it felt like another world. And now it feels weird to have like been inside of that. And then to have stepped out to a place where, oh, nothing's happening. This is, we're, we're just going to pause the whole thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, this last summer, uh, summer of 2019, uh, things seem to just sort of be picking up. I, I like, book these two shows back to back uh tony stone into once on this island and i was like actually working in new york as an actor i was like uh i would go into times square to commute to do do the show in the basement uh so tony stone was an amazing amazing play about uh the first woman to play professional baseball in the negro leagues in the 1950s uh and it, it was just it it was it was such an amazing experience. Um, 
April Mathis, uh, she she won an Obie Award for her performance in that show. And I had the honor of uh, understudying three roles. And I went on for every single role that I understudied. The first one I went on for was in previews. So just imagine that uh, that feeling. Because everybody kept getting injured. And then one of our cast members, uh, they're fine now. Uh, one of our cast members actually booked a Broadway show. He went on to The, uh, the Inheritance on Broadway. So I, I got to play his role for several nights. Uh, and it was... It was just a really cool experience because it was like I had taken my my swing experience and the terror of that and then entered into another situation with confidence, knowing that, you know what, I've done this, mm. I survived, I, I had a mini panic attack, but uh, I was still able to do the show. Um, so I did that. And then th going back to, we mentioned before we actually started speaking on this recording, uh, there was a, a feeling of being the the tethered from us if you've seen us the jordan peele horror psychological horror film uh there there are the tethered people who are living underground and they are doing everything that we're doing above ground but it's just like zombified and it's it's creepy they don't really know but at the end of the movie we don't know who who's in control is it the tethered or is it the people above ground anyways i was in the basement while the show would be going on all of the supporting cast and understudies we would be running the play uh we, we could never watch it because they were like we, you you need the practice um just run through the show so it was very strange we didn't have the props we were moving blocks around and uh like miming a lot of things so that was really strange uh but a lot of fun uh a lot of growth a really amazing cast of actors all around super super talented people uh from top to bottom over there at the roundabout at Tony Stone. Uh, and then I went on to Once on This Island, and uh, that was that was sort of like a, a weird um, discovery that people love Once on This Island. And I that was a show that I had never seen, and it's like people just, they love it. Uh, you know, uh, you, you've, got, you've got Lynn and Steven um, who just write nothing but gold and it was amazing to to sing their songs and we had we had new arrangements where we were the voice of the forest and the birds and the frogs and and everything and we took this uh this broadway show that won the um that won the tony for uh, best uh best musical did it i don't i don't know it i don't watch the tonys is that bad uh, <laughs> um, this is what I love. This is what I love about you, though, because you're like, at one point you are booking your Broadway debut, and you're like, oh, a swing. Like, who would have known there was this position called a swing, and what it, what it meant to do that? And you're like, oh, I'm on Broadway. This is how it works. And now you're like, the Tonys. Like, I guess it's a thing, but I don't really watch it. I love that I, about you. I mean, it's really, it's really exciting, and it's a, it's a big deal, and it's really cool. And I love to see, um, I love to see familiar faces on stage and and on these videos and commercials and all all that stuff. Uh, but so you know that that show won a Tony uh, when it was in New York, and I got to do the tour, and we took this uh, this show that was in the round, and we put it in a proscenium stage, and the the innovative. Um, director uh, Michael Arden. He 
he staged this show with us and it was funny because we were in this process and it was process and it was like no one really knew what was happening it, at all until we until we opened and then you talk to people and they're like that was magical i cried as soon as it started and you guys were just the, the stars were there in the haze and the sand and you were dancing and then you were this and that and it, it's so funny i um so i i do not market myself as a dancer i avoid dance auditions unless i'm forced to go unless it's like a callback we need to see your movement skills and it's so funny i have when i've worked in new york or any sort of like big budget production i'm always featured dancing ensemble. Now it's it's not ballet, but why did I have a dance solo in Once on this Island? I was uh I, did you see the show in New York? I didn't. I didn't think I'd see it. No. Oh, okay. So I was um I, I was the guy in the um the Derrick Rose uh New York Knicks jersey and that track uh it on tour it was like a combination of um uh Grayson uh, Kingsbury and Roger Covington's role. So it was like the movement of both of those, uh, those tracks was put together. And then I was like doing all of it kind of for some reason. Uh, and everybody was, was really dancing and really going in. It's Camille Brown's fantastic choreography, but I, I was doing so much. And then I was like uh, doing a dance solo and it was such a scary thing. But, uh, for the first time, it seemed like I was actually doing the show. I was in the show and I was doing it eight times a week. And then it was in my body and I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. It's all fake because once you learn it and it's in your body and then you're, you're stretching and, and then you're, you're working out and it, it gets easier and easier. And now it's like, oh, I can add things. And they're, they're thinking, oh, wow, he's a great dancer, but no, he's been doing it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> so it's just muscle memory at this point. <laughs> um, but that was a, that was a great experience. Uh, I met my my fiance uh, Mickey. And here, fun fact about Once on This Island, um, I understudied the role of Papa Gay, and uh, the primary Papa Gay was Tamira Gray. Uh, and so it, it was a role that was both played by a, a man and a woman, and um, it's 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 a genderless role. It, it's the demon of death. So my fiance and I both understudied the role and we both got a chance to go on as this character. So it's just, it was like a really cool sort of experience to have. And uh, we did we did about uh, a little over half of our tour schedule um, up until March. And we were in Vegas uh, around the time that everything shut down. And we actually ended up being one of the last tours that was running during the pandemic and Cirque du Soleil shut down all their shows. And shortly after mm. we shut down and, and so, that was it. Wow. So we get to the shutdown and I saw this listing for the Oslo doing Camelot. What was the audition process like the video submission or like, how was this booking different than anything you had experienced in the past? Um, so, uh, first of all, I do not, uh, I've had horrible, horrible experience. Not that the, the experience itself was bad, but, um, I just, I don't have luck with video submissions. 
video submissions I've done in the past, I, I just never get anything back from, unless it was cruise work, because it's like, you just, you're singing, which is like, okay, great. I, I love to sing. That's something that I've been doing for a really long time. Uh, but when it's come to like actual scene work, I, I just never have had any traction. So this audition, first of all, came out of nowhere because in my mind, I had just moved away from the possibility of theatrical work. I, I've been doing, uh, you know, I got my microphone here. I've been doing voiceover stuff and I've been making music in my little uh, recording studio that I, I built in our apartment. And uh, I, I just wasn't in that space. And this audition just came out of nowhere. It was an appointment. Uh, so it was just like, it was really lucky that it came through and I was just like, okay, Camelot. All right. This stuff is a little low. I started singing the the songs. It's like low baritone. I'm a, I'm a tenor. And, uh, I I'm like, okay, well let's, let's give it a try. And I, you know, I, I did my thing. I recorded my videos and sent them through. Um, and then, uh, like three days later I had a call back and it was like over zoom and uh the the whole team was there i had a reader uh went through everything we did it did a little interview and that seemed to go well and i was like okay this is weird and it's weird that theater's happening and this is going well i have not been i have not been acting um face to face I, i've been you know i've been reading a lot of text i, I was doing the uh like one of the pay to play uh voices.com sites so I, i'm always reading text every day uh, so I had been in that practice, but as far as like making face-to-face -face contact with another actor and like really connecting physically and the breath and, and moving all that stuff around, I was not doing that. So I was like, okay, this is weird. I have not been in this practice. Let's see what happens. And it went well. The meeting was well. Everybody on the team was really cool. Uh, the director, Celine, uh, Rosenthal, uh, she, she was super cool. She seemed to be digging what I was doing. I was like, okay, great. Uh, everybody else seems to have a smile on their face. Let me walk away from this. Let me not think about it. it. It is what it is. If it happens, I'm just thankful that they're doing theater. That's a sign that good things are happening. And then a couple of days later, I I had this offer. It was really the next day. It was the next day after that. And so literally one week before that, I didn't know that theater was happening. A few days in, audition. A few days later, callback. Day after that, I I now have this job. And it was not even on my radar at all well, congrats to you because i mean i don't know if, i would just assume that since not a lot of things are going on that the field of competition would be all the more fierce because no one in particular is really doing anything else so there's tons of people that are available to put themselves forward for casting here sure i well i just assume that uh i was whoever whoever went through the files and chose to look at my stuff instead of starting at the top of the deck they accidentally started at the bottom <laughs> so Get i'm just <laughs> i'm just looking at it like that and like okay okay good 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 they started over here um so no i'm just i'm i'm very very uh thankful for that and uh i'm i'm just along for the ride and i i mean this this cast is is super duper talented i i mean uh, we got we got Brittany Coleman, uh, Nick Nick Duckard over here, um, and, and more, uh, and it's it's just it's really really cool. Uh, and and I tell you what, this process is strange. Yeah, tell strange. us tell us how it's how it's been to to put on a 
production with other people in the midst of this pandemic? Okay. Um, so we are, I mean, I've had more COVID tests in the last couple of weeks than I, I've ever had because I had only had one previous COVID test throughout the whole pandemic and I'm negative. I'm, I'm COVID negative and I'm thankful for that. But uh, we, we've just been very, very careful because Actors' Equity is very strict because what they wanted to do is create a situ situation in which the actor did not have to decide between the money and their safety because it's it's a hard choice. Look, our uh, the, the flu is gone because we do not have a society in which people are like, God, I'm sick, but I got to go to work. We do, that's not acceptable right now, and I I think that that's like a, a huge huge shift that right there the the exposure is down. And um, when when we don't have, I mean, we all want to work, but I mean, when the option is not there, uh, we we just have to be very very careful. So we've been testing and testing and testing, and we've been social distancing. We have our first outdoor rehearsal tomorrow. We've been basically rehearsing over Zoom uh, for the past two weeks, and we got in the studio for the first time this past week, and it was masks, visors. Um, cleaning the rehearsal space between each session. Uh, we've adjusted blocking so no one is ever closer than six feet. There's, I think, there's one moment of physical contact uh, with a with a gloved hand, and it's it's really. I, I think it's going to really be a challenge of um, just strong storytelling against these these barriers and how do we uh, sort of put the barriers in the background and the storytelling at the forefront. Uh, and I think that, I think that it's possible because look, uh, you can, you can put on Shakespeare in the park with, uh, with very, very little uh, to your set. And so I think that, I think that this is going to work really, really well. Um, we've got uh, Steve Orich here, Who's uh, doing our our music direction for us? I have not heard the band, but they were rehearsing yesterday, and I'm really really excited about that. Uh, I I just saw um, the last production. I, I don't know if you got down for the last production that uh, Oslo did. Um, Fanny. No, I, didn't. I wasn't here yet. No, I I just saw it, and it was incredible. It was a, a one woman show, but there were also uh, musicians that participated and, and did a little bit of call and response with her. But it was really, really incredible what they were able to do with this outdoor space uh, and the use of projections and just some minimal set pieces. I'm really excited about the, the costume design for this production. And I think that it's just, it's going to be uh, extremely magical and, and just a testament to how theater can transport you to another world while telling you a poignant story that uh, applies to uh, current events and uh, mm -hmm. and the world that we live in, so uh, yeah, I'm cool. I'm really 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 excited about it. Yeah, I uh, for everyone listening, um, I'll be doing a follow up to to this and uh, what I see at Camelot and just the experience um, on our YouTube channel where we do vlogs um, when we get to see 
um, shows that day. So if you want to hop on over to our YouTube at Bill for the Stage, um, you can already see, I think the last, um, Alex, before the shutdown happened, the last show I saw was the preview of Company. And then the mm. very next day, Broadway shut down. Um, and that was, wow. my la- that was my last YouTube vlog of the, the day of the show vlog. So I get to do another one um, with you all in just a couple of weeks. March, tell me again, 17th. What, what is the date? Oh, Wednesday, Wednesday. Look, we both don't know. Wednesday, <laughs> March. Yeah, 17th, I think. March 17th. I got my my fancy uh, email digital tickets. I'm ready. I, uh, I cannot wait. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. And uh, yeah. just appreciate your time and your story. And problem i'm long-winded and i i reminded of that every day (laughs) no but like i said some of those topics you brought up and there's so much more to we'll have to have you on for part two three four five six and seven so we can get all the details but um best wishes and break all the legs um as you perform uh in camelot as uh the role lancelot nothing to yeah, nothing to look past there. That's some congrats on just yeah, I'm just really excited for you. I'm really excited for your cast and the production team um to put this on. So I can't wait. And thanks again for being on the episode. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. That'll do it. Um with Alex Joseph Grayson on Bill for the Sage Podcast. Special thanks to our producing team, Broadway Podcast Network. You can check them out at BPN. If you want to follow Alex on the gram, you can see that in the description of this episode. But just to listen to it, it's Alex J. G. Sings. So you can follow him on the Insta. Check out the exciting production that he will be starring in, Camelot, at Oslo Theater in Sarasota, Florida. Don't forget about the free trial if you want to check that out, builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode. If you like the podcast, if you can bear me, if you can get by the host and just say that, you know what, the host is okay, but the, the episodes and the guests are amazing. If you like that, please subscribe, rate, leave a comment. It would be greatly appreciated. All right, it's me, Roscoe, signing off. Later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.